Return of the King recap. Okay, we've got Darry in Portland at the Making a Man conference. He's met up with a lot of new friends, he's learned a lot about the world, and he has nearly murdered Swole Bob with the help of a demonic vagina in a utility truck. But we're moving on. Darry is now on his way to his first ever meeting of the Council of Men. Return of the King Chapter 21 Penthouse Letter The doors of the elevator slid open to reveal a luxurious suite of rooms. The main room took in three external walls. Floor-to-ceiling windows gave a panoramic view of the city. The gang watched as lights sparked on, twinkling as dusk sucked the last of the orange-pink sunset glow from the sky. Darry surreptitiously took in his surroundings, still playing it as cool as he could manage. This, this was not what he had expected. The room was simple, but devastating in its refined modernity. Glass and metal, polished. White sheets against dark, delicately turned wood. The room was arranged to maximise empty space. Fine carved wood, glass and ceramics allowed the furniture to give the illusion of transparency. The day's last light softly invaded, passing through lattices creating dancing shadows, an impression of floating impermanence. This was sheer class. The tracksuit man from the welcome reception reclined in a sunken jacuzzi by the windows. He waved a cigar, hand heavy with signet rings, beckoning them into the room. He wore nothing but jewellery and a pair of wraparound sunglasses with reflective lenses. Darry found it unnerving. You couldn't see where he was looking. Malcolm scampered over and knelt on the ground to allow the man to whisper in his ear. He got to his feet and led the other three to a glass conference table, ushering each man into a chair. Derry fidgeted on the edge of his seat, an awful sense of dread pulling at the back of his scalp and ears. Something about the man with the chin-length white hair, purple-tinged skin, heavy gold chains and age-brown friendship bracelets gave Derry the creeps. He exuded menace. The way he moved was slick like a snake and unapologetic. Was it the expressionless set of his mouth? Perhaps it was the disregard for Darry Vanneken's death, as if they were background actors or furniture. The man eased himself out of the pool. Darry lowered his eyes, not wanting to see any more of the age-withered haunches than he already had. Hearing the jangle of medallions and chains over the swishing whoosh of the whirlpool, Malcolm dashed back to the jacuzzi and presented a silver tray to the man. Chomping on his cigar, the man slipped on a white toweling robe, a huge chunky watch, probably a Rolex or something, Darry thought, and tied a red paisley bandana 1990s hip-hop style around his head.
He padded across the room to a king-sized bed and clambered onto it. Malcolm, those chairs will do me a mischief. I shall stay here. As the man tucked blankets around himself and positioned an ashtray, Wendigo emerged from one of the ante-rooms, wrapped in a satin dressing gown. If not for the enormous antler headpiece, nobody would ever suspect that this robe-clad, grey-haired, middle-aged man was the spiritual leader of the Manosphere. He looked like... well, not a geography teacher, but maybe a professor, a liberal arts one probably. His hairstyle was too self-conscious for a science or engineering faculty member. Darry'd met enough of them in his time to know the signs. No, this guy had that certain characteristic wrinkling around his eyes and forehead that Darry associated with thinkers. The clothes surely do make us a man, Darry thought. The white-haired man on the bed removed his sunglasses and shot Malcolm a danger-loaded look. Is the shaman going to behave? Wendigo dropped to his knees and kissed the carpet. I will obey! The old man nodded, satisfied that he wouldn't have to deal with any upsets this year. Wendigo crawled across the room to the table and climbed onto a chair. The main elevator pinged. Its doors slid open and emptied out a gaggle of mostly normal-looking men. Derry was used to the eccentricities of his activist colleagues by now, having spent time with James Smears' gang in Toronto. But this... uh, this was a lot. There was a man in a Spider-Man costume, and, more concerningly... An individual dressed relatively normally in that he wore black dress shoes and a formal shirt tucked into camel cargo pants but with the bizarre addition of a rubber Kylo Ren mask. Oh, thought Darry, the incels are here after all. The newcomers hurried to take their places at the table. Darry groaned internally and tried to keep his utter misery off his face as he realised the Spider-Man was to sit next to him. Spider-Man rolled up his mask to reveal a pink-grey stubbly face with sad eyes. He jovially tapped Darry on the shoulder. Darry winced. There was a musty, yeasty smell when the guy moved. Ah, I see you like my suit, eh? Proud not to take it off until I get my kids back. Ha, 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 chuckled nervously. Uh, just how old were these guys' kids, judging by the smell he estimated in their late thirties? He smiled and nodded as the man, who had introduced himself as Mick, chattered on praying that the meeting would start soon. Malcolm took his chair, carefully placed an ivory gavel set on the table, and began the meeting. My fellow council members, the attack on Bob has brought an urgency to the negotiations like never before. Ever since the manuscript schism started, We've been at each other's throats, 
And who wins if we find women? And you know what else? They think we can't even do infighting right. They've obviously decided we're not moving fast enough to tear each other down, so they've started an insurgency against us. This will not stand. Dairy phrase. Wait. They really think we are under attack from militant feminists. Suddenly, he wasn't feeling so excited about being invited to sit on the council. He'd enjoyed the spectacle of the vigil and been exhilarated by the -the off-the-cuff speech he gave for Bob. But surely that was all just theatre? He grew more and more restless in his seat, squirming with each allusion to the imminent danger. There was no way they'd ever find out that he was the one who ordered the hit on Bob, was there? Malcolm was still talking. It's time for us to pull together and repair the fractures. I spent this morning doing an online conflict resolution course, and I really think this time we might be progress. Maybe we can find a common cause. He waved a piece of paper. It was the Manitoba Labour Board's mediation worksheet. This did not bode well. Next time on Return of the King, Chapter 22. The Matrix. Somehow a copy of Malcolm's mediation worksheet found its way into our possession. I wonder what they were arguing about. See you there!